The Detroit Tigers have now lost four games in a row after Houston completes the sweep on a Wednesday afternoon. Joey Wentz starts two to one loss. Let's talk about it today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, as always. Okay. We've now lost four straight. That's uh, that's four straight losses for your Detroit Tigers. They drop yesterday's game two to one to the Houston Astros. Houston completes the sweep. Uh, Not a lot of offense really on either side in this one, but it's just, it's so telling when a one team, that's not what I want to say. When two teams can have the same amount of hits and yet it is so blatantly clear who had the better day offensively same amount of hits and only one run difference. And yet it is night and day about who was more effective offensively night. It's not even close, right? It's so blatantly obvious who was more effective at the plate, even though you had the same amount of hits and one scored two runs and one scored one run. Fascinating stuff. Uh, The Tigers don't draw a walk in this one. While the Astros draw four, that's definitely something to do with it as well. But the biggest thing that we do horribly and that the Astros do amazingly is not even necessarily draw walks, although it would be nice to draw some more walks for this team, is just working a count period. I I mean... It's remarkable how often we just send dudes up there and it's just good morning, good afternoon, good night, see ya. Or, oh, we foul one ball off. Or, oh, we'll we'll take one ball that bounces on home plate and is like a foot out of the strike zone. And even that is like a maybe. It's just, it's so night and day. And so with this one, like Joe, so Joey Wentz starts this game and Joey Wentz is somebody that pre-Tommy John I was a huge fan of. And then, uh, like, man, it just it sucks that that's just becoming a norm. Well, like, everybody is getting Tommy John. Every pitcher you see is is getting Tommy John surgery, which sucks. But I, I was still a big fan of him. And then he, you know, this season with the depth issues that the major league team has had and, and whatnot, he, he rose pretty quickly through the system and had to get called up pretty a lot earlier than I think anybody anticipated. But this was not – it wasn't a bad performance. It was just the most inefficient performance like ever. And it all comes back to the inability to consistently get swings and misses. That was on full display. The Houston Astros fouled off 27 baseballs in four innings 
against Joey Wentz. Think about that number. They almost had 30 foul balls in four innings. That's not the entire game. That is just off of Joey Wentz. 27 foul balls in four-plus innings. I hate four-plus. I hate the plus. I hate it. I don't know why, but I like my close friends that have known me for a long time. I've always hated the the four plus thing. I don't know why. Twenty seven foul balls in four innings, and his stat line: four innings, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, five Ks. It's not bad, right? It's not bad. It's just he he doesn't have a finishing pitch. He doesn't have a pitch to get a good lineup to consistently swing and miss on yet. And he might develop that, and that's going to be his task for the offseason. He'll have a throwing program, a throwing plan, and and that's what it'll be all about, right? And 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 I'm sure that Federer and and, and the rest of the pitching coaching staff and the the development team are all aware of that and and trying to get that on. And it's hard to do that in the middle of a season, right, When especially your rookie season. That's very difficult. So I'm sure that's what a large majority of the offseason will be about, but it's just, it, it It was never more apparent. We've been talking about it in Joey Wentz starts ever since he came up, but it, it's never been more apparent than it was in this game. 27 foul balls in four innings. 91 pitches, 27 fouls. <laughs> Talk, talking about almost a third of the pitches he threw were foul balls. That's remarkable. 18 of them were on the four-seam fastball. One thing I liked to see, and it didn't change anything. They were still able to get the bat on the ball a ton and and whatnot. But one thing I did like was the fact that he was going up in the zone with the fastball. I thought that that was, was, I don't know if it's something like he just was more comfortable or if, you know, he's getting more acclimated to acclimated. Golly, that was crazy. Um, I, I, I'm a writer, I promise. Um, getting more acclimated to the major league level. I don't know what it was, but he seemed a lot more comfortable and confident going up in the strike zone. Uh, even with his fastball velocity being down like pretty comfortably from what we've seen, uh, so far this year at the major league level, still just had no fear with it. And that was fine, right? Like I, I love, I love a high fastball. It's one of my favorite pitches, especially to lefties. I think a fastball up and in and is is one of the most unhittable pitches in baseball if you have a good fastball. And so, so I really like to see it as part of the developmental process with young pitchers, especially, again, especially if they have decent fastballs. But So that was good to see. It's just, you know. He had seven whiffs total in the outing. He had three whiffs on the four-seam fastball in which he threw 47 times. Over half of his pitches were just four-seam fastballs. He had three whiffs. The CSW percentage on the four-seamer was 17% because a foul ball is not a called strike. (laughs) So didn't have too many of those either. So I, I, I liked the... I liked the thought of the strategy. I liked the thought of the game plan. The idea of the of the fastball up is very appealing to me, and I enjoyed watching it, and I enjoyed watching him attempt it. 
However, the execution is simply just not there yet. And that'll be, again, not saying he'll never get there. He's a rookie. He's a young kid coming off Tommy John. We'll, we'll, we'll see what he can do. Uh, and, and we'll see what he does this offseason and kind of take those next steps forward. But as of right now, that is definitely the most blatant thing. Uh, besides that, you know, I, it's not like he was getting crushed. I mean, he get, gave up four hits, uh, a couple of barrels, but not like consistently. I don't know. It, it wasn't uh, uh, like they put 11 balls in play, which is not some really low number, but it's it's like almost a third of the amount of foul balls they had, right? Like it was mostly just working counts, fouled off, fouled off, fouled off, and then getting whatever, a hard, hard hit ball maybe right to a fielder, uh, soft liner into the outfield, ground, seeing eye singles. Like it, it wasn't like they were working counts and then cr- outside of the homer and then crushing balls necessarily all outing, which was only, I guess, four innings. I don't know. It, it, it's just, it was a, it was a weird outing because I, I, I liked the game plan. I liked the strategy. It's just the execution. He's not at a place where he can execute that game plan to a T yet. Um, and the Houston Astros lineup is really good. And the Tigers team as a whole only gave up two runs to them, which is uh, probably a win. So, yeah, that, that's just his next step. Taking that game plan that we liked and actually executing it to its fullest potential. Um, the off-speed stuff was, was again, fine. I, I really like his changeup, actually. He got people out on their front foot a couple of times with it. I... I I, I like his stuff, and, and there needs to be a little more better shape to it, a little more sharpness to it for sure, but that'll come with development, I'm sure, as well. So, uh, yeah, interesting, not interesting, it's a dumb word, uh, unique start in Joey Wentz where it, it was not bad. The game plan was was there, and just the execution maybe. I've said that a million times. Okay, we're going to move on. All right, uh, let's get to the bullpen. Because I guess we're doing offense last again. That's There we go. Two days in a row. Uh, but a lot of pitchers pitched out of the pen in this one because once only went four innings. So we will get to that right after I tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's football season. Going to be super fun, obviously. Lions, baby. Lions and college. You know, I'm I'm a U of M man. Uh, not <laughs> did not attend. I'm a Walmart Wolverine, as uh, as the Sparty faithful like to call it. But it'll be a fun season. So go to Bet Online uh, to get your fastest and easiest way to, to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, MLB, and even golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Let's get to the... Hmm. Yeah, let's get to the bullpen. Let's just do it. Uh, Will Vest first out of the pen in this one, one inning, one walk, no K's and, uh, it was a clean inning, no hits or runs either. 
just going to keep going back to, to what we keep talking about with him. And it's just command, command, command. When it's there, it's effective because his stuff is objectively good. His stuff is really effective. It's really good. It's just consistently getting it in the spots that he wants it to be is uh, is the next step for him. Next up, we have Jason Foley. You know, I just, I, I love Jason Foley. One inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. The sinker was very effective. He threw the slider four times. I actually liked what I saw out of it. 3-1-3, shout out Detroit. Uh, 3-1-3 ERA now on the season. Looking very, very effective. Joe Jimenez continues to be lights out. One inning, 1K, uh, no hits, no runs, no walks. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable this year. He's been he's been ridiculous. And the thing is, like he keeps showing different ways to be effective. Like the four seam fastball, he was pinpoint with it. Right? He, he had really, really good command on the four seam fastball. And it led to soft contact, but then he was also to get also able to get swings and misses uh with the slider because of how well he sets up with the four-seam fastball. It's just when he's locating that thing, he, he's pretty much unhittable because if you do hit it, it is very weak contact, effective on, on his part. And if you don't, then he's just going to tunnel it with a slider and you're hosed, right? You're, you're, you're going to think it's the four-seam again, no matter where it's located. As long as he's hitting his spots with the fastball, it sets up everything for him. And he has had an unreal year, as we're all aware. And it's really cool just to see him continue having said unreal year. Jose Cisnero, one inning, no other stats. Uh, he mixed up the repertoire a lot more in this one. And his velocity was actually up. In, well, not up, but higher than maybe it's been so far since coming back from injury. Uh, like to see the fastball back into that like 95, 96 mile an hour range. Look, I'm, I'm the thing. I mean, like he got hit and it was right at people. So it was a quick, efficient inning. He threw six pitches, right? It's just the effectiveness in which he had it last year. Just the, the, I almost want to call it dominance really that he, and not that he was like the best reliever in baseball, but just the, the presence and, and the dominance that he had on the mound is just not there this year, but he continues to be effective. And uh, again, one five three ERA. I'm not going to complain about that, but uh, he he's somewhere. He's he's not what he was the previous two seasons, but he's also definitely better than he was when he first got off of the injured list as well. When I didn't think he was very effective at all, so falling somewhere, I, I guess, kind of in between that. We'll see what happens this offseason. It'll be a really interesting. We've talked about him and his situation at at nauseum so far uh so that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure gregory soto because it can never be easy one inning one hit no runs two walks and no k's uh it's it's just he can never just have a clean inning he can never just have a clean inning and and at the beginning of this season and last season, I was one of this dude's biggest defenders. I I, I love Greg, but I, I think it's really hard to justify him as the highest leverage reliever on the team anymore. 
And it's been like that for a while. And we've been, I, I think I said I wouldn't have him in closer back in like the end of May. Like we, this isn't some new development for anybody. It's just like 25 pitches. Joey Wentz's first inning, I think was 28. 25 pitches for Greg in the ninth inning. It, it's it's so frustrating because he he has the ability. And, and we've talked about this a lot too, and we'll talk about it again in the offseason. He has the ability. He has the stuff. He has the velocity to be great. And it just, it doesn't seem like we're taking any steps into progression at all. We're just, he, he's just, he's the exact same pitcher on September 14th of 2022 that he was on September 14th of 2021. Lateral movement as far as development goes. And that's really discouraging. And in a season that has been full of discouragement. So, oh man. And like, he'll, he'll tease you too. Like, he'll be like, okay, okay, here's kind of like a, a, a single. And then, okay, but I get the next two batters out. And I'm just going to lock this down. And you're going to be like, oh, wow, okay, the single didn't matter. And then we're going to walk the next two batters that the bases are loaded in a one-run game. Just, yeah. Okay, so that's it on Greg. Like I said, we'll, we'll talk plenty about that in the offseason as well. Um, and, and none of this is new to anybody. So we don't really need to go deep down that rabbit hole any more than we already do. Uh, okay, let's get to the offense. And yeah, let's get to the offense right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here to our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Um, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Tigers lose 2-1 to one on Wednesday afternoon to the Houston Astros. Astros complete the sweep. So, offensively in this one, we have to start with Javi Baez just because that was the big talk um, of the town, I guess you would say. One of the worst at-bats I have truly ever laid my eyes on. It was embarrassingly bad, and really, social media just blew up with it. It was one of those things where it spread very quickly. Because and it deserved to. It was a terrible at bat. Objectively, it was horrific. People were calling it one of the worst at bats of the season. It's definitely up there. It was not good. Uh, his second at bat, the strikeout was four straight sliders that were not just low and away. They were close to or in the left-handed batter's box. They were way out there, right? And he swung through the first two, followed off the third, and swung through the fourth. It was the same pitch four times in a row and was pretty much just told, just throw it as far away from the strike zone as you're comfortable and he's not going to hit it. Then the next two at-bats, he hits sliders. One goes over the fence for a home run. And then in the ninth inning with two outs, he hits a hanging slider into left field for a base knock. So the thing with Javi Baez, and there's a lot of things with Javi Baez, so that that's probably too broad. One of the things about Javi Baez is that he's going to take those hacks. Those, that's going to happen. And he needs to be better. 
at not swinging at them, and he needs to see sliders better. He, he needs to. He needs to. The thing is, he's so... His bat-to-ball skills are... I, I know this is going to sound crazy. They're not horrific. His decision-making on which balls to swing at and which balls to not swing at has been horrific for a majority of the season. But the pure baseball bat to baseball just make contact, that skill he does not lack. We've seen him hit some terrible pitches for hits, for for powerful hits. Like one of those pitches he fouled off, right? So it's just beyond frustrating that if he, like the the one that he hit for a a single and, and the home run as even, right? The home run was outside part of the plate and he was fouling off pitches that were low and away and like kind of near the strike zone. It's just, let, let, let's wrap it up here, Bentley. So my point is, is that if you even had enough discipline to make pitchers throw sliders in the same area code as the strike zone, he would get some hits because he would still be aggressive Javi. That's not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not going to make this proclamation that he's going to change who he is as a hitter. But the ones that are kind of close, he can make good contact on. And he has made good contact on this season multiple times. There's a lot of examples of it. But because he is so undisciplined in the batter's box, no one even has to put the baseball in, like I said, in the same area code as the strike zone. Four stray sliders in the opponent's batter's box. What happened when the sliders were, one of them caught a lot of the plate. That one was just a a bad pitch. But, I I mean, do you get what I'm saying? Like, when they're even somewhat on the black, even if their ball's low and outside sometimes, if it's only by a couple of inches, he's slapping it and getting a hit out of it. It's just that no one is questions the fact that he's going to swing at sliders three feet out of the strike zone, so that's all he sees. And and he's been a little bit better since the All-Star break, objectively, whether you like him or not, that's true. The biggest thing with Javi, and again, we will get into, this is the biggest thing. This is actually the biggest thing. With Javi, this season, is there has been no power. Um, we can talk about his batting average. We can talk about his on-base percentage. We can talk about all that. We'll go a, a deep dive this offseason into every player, like I keep mentioning. But the biggest thing is just there has been no power. It's one thing to have a 235 average, which with the way the game's baseball play is played today, if you're getting a lot of walks, which Javi doesn't, but if you're getting walks and or or, or you have a really high slugging percentage, people will live with a 235 average these days. It's the fact that there is no pop. And I know he homered today, but a 378 slug for Javi Baez is very low. 
If he had an on-base percentage around 300, which he does not, I'm not trying to excuse everything and just say, oh, if he just hit homers, he'd be better. No, like he, there's clearly something that needs to change. But if he had an on-base percentage around 300 and a slugging percentage that we're used to seeing from Javi Baez, this isn't some catastrophic failure of a season anymore at the plate from him specifically. Still is for a lot of other people, and he still leads the league in errors. But I'm just trying to say next season, if he comes in and has a little bit more pop, shows a little bit more power, and maybe just gets on base 30% of the time, we we could potentially, a, a, a big turnaround is not completely out of the question. Okay, see how I danced around that really well to try to avoid misconceptions that's all i'm trying to say all right outside of that uh there was not a lot of offense obviously outside of hobby for everything we just said in this game he, he had two hits and was responsible for the only rbi carrie carpenter with a hit uh the hit was actually on a breaking ball which we talked about yesterday was his next step in development i thought he had a really good piece of hitting there took one uh opposite side of the field on the ground pretty hard hit ball up the middle there the rest of the at-bats, there, there's still some development that needs to happen, and I, I do still think that a lot of it has to do with breaking balls. But even just like pitchers setting him up, if they go too many breaking balls in a row and then just go fastball, then I'm not confident that he's hitting the fastball anymore. But if you go fastball early, he's probably going to get around on it. That's kind of been the theme so far. So there's just some more steps to be taken with with not letting pitchers just like set him up and kind of do whatever they want with him, and, and holding his own more at the plate and, you know, doing the reverse setup. Like, yeah, you know, he sets the, the pitcher up now. So that's something else to, uh, to keep an eye on for, for the rest of the season. Jamer with a hit. I don't even I, like, this might be harsh. I don't even care anymore. I, I really like Jamer. My, my opinion of Jamer has gone nowhere and it remains the same. And I think this is, is a, He's probably the biggest question mark this offseason. Biggest decision. Most intriguing decision, maybe not the biggest this offseason for the club. Ryan Kreidler looked great defensively, continues to look great defensively. Uh, but at the plate, just doesn't have any production and had two strikeouts in this one. Kind of got overpowered. He's still very clearly not there offensively not everyday starter at the major league level there offensively, but I'm very intrigued on what is where he's going to start the season next year, right? Is he going to be a Castro type of utility player right off rip? Is he going to start in Toledo and they're going to have him work on his hitting a little bit more? Cause remember he had the, the, the broken hand thing and that really throws offense off and, uh, you know, we saw Javi earlier this season had a thumb injury, and that's when his power completely fell off the face of the planet. So something to keep an eye on for is is where Ryan Kreider starts next season. And I, I hope they keep playing him this year. Just like I hope I one of the things that bother like Harold Castro betted third. That's great. And, and I again Harold Castro's OPS is now down to 675, by the way. I know that it's we're at the sad reality that Harold Castro has been one of our best hitters this season. I don't need to see him at first base anymore. I want Spencer Torkelson out there every single day. Every day. No exceptions. I don't care. 
this team is benefiting nothing in September by throwing Harold Castro out there at first base. I don't care. The only other thing to really talk about is, and I, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because this is a kind of a never-ending cycle of a conversation and or argument. Riley Green, one of the biggest stories in this one, gets a hit, extends his uh, on-base streak. What is he at, 20, 19, 20 games? But he crushes a ball to dead center field that would have given the Tigers the lead late in the game. And instead, it is caught at the warning track up against the wall, and it has listed as a 424-foot flyout. Now, that always, anytime that happens to a Tiger, is when the discourse always everybody freaks out and goes oh my goodness the comerica's too big bring the fences in this is ridiculous whatever um i am not passionate about this topic i'm not and a lot of people are but i am okay if they never bring the fences in i'm okay if that happens and i think it makes our park unique our dimensions unique and I'm not going to scream and advocate and, be, you know, take my stand and be like, they should never change the dimensions. If they want to change them, sure. If that's what everyone thinks is better for the team, sure. But I'm not going to lose my mind if they never do either. Like this is, it, it makes our park unique. I think uh, it's something that that is, I think, is cool to hang our hat on. But not a lot of people agree with that. And... So it's frustrating, obviously. I wanted to be a homer there too, <laughs> right? Like, I, I want to win games. So, yes, obviously I'm incredibly frustrated. And that's where the second part of, of my statement is if they bring them in 10 feet and just the center field ones, I'm very cool with that too. And that's why I say I'm not really passionate on the topic. The only thing that would really piss me off is, A, if you brought in all the fences around the park, which is just not happening. That's just logistically. It's not happening. And we're actually not that deep to the foul poles. Like, Kaufman is way deeper at and right and left field, not even at the poles, but, like, really just that whole wall going out towards center field. There's several parks that are deeper than us in that regard. So um, that's – you know, if there's a fly out to the warning track and left and people go, oh, Comerica, like grow up. But the center field, if, if you just bring in the dead center field wall in 10 feet, I'm, I'm a happy camper because that still gives you, especially right in that bullpen to left field and like the out of town scoreboard in center field and right field, that still gives you very deep dimensions that a lot of people are still going to go, oh, Comerica's like this huge park, you know, we, we got maybe Pitcher's Park, whatever. Like that notion would still stand while also not having 424-foot flyouts, which is preposterous. <laughs> so I think there's a, that is like the best of both worlds to me is you bring it in just 10 feet, bring in the whole center field wall in 10 feet. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say. The only other thing that would piss me off is if they brought it in like 25 feet. And they were like, okay, we played in this huge park for a long time. Now we're just going to completely flip the script 
and just have like a like a PNC Park like 399 or 398 to dead center now and have one of the shortest center fields. That would be ridiculous to me. Don't don't do that. But you can have a best of both worlds situation if you move it in just 10 feet. So I think that's prob but again, like I, I'm not I'm not passionate either way. If either of those things happen, they keep it the same or they bring it in 10 feet, thumbs up from me. I'm cool with it. Um but 424 foot flyouts are frustrating and bringing the outfield in 10 feet would keep you having a big park while eliminating those. So maybe that is the way to go. I don't know. Something we'll, I'm sure we'll hear a lot about in the off season as well from ownership as they continue their GM search. We're going to have a lot to talk about this off season and Comerica parts dimensions will certainly be a part of that as is all the rest. I uh, just laid out. So, Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all I got for you. Off day tomorrow, we'll figure out something fun to do and talk about. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. It's also way harder to get passionate about like, oh my goodness, they robbed a home, a game winning home run of us when it's the difference between like at the end of the season, 57 and 58 wins. Okay, now I'm done. Peace and love going to therapy is dope. And I will catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.